We're in the 10th part of a, a sermon series, of this sermon series on the renewal of work. And today we're going to be talking about making wise career decisions. Perhaps uh, one of the most frustrating things of being a good, for a good follower of Jesus is that quite often the Bible does not tell us specifically what to do. Should I accept this job offer or not? Most of us have asked God this question. The Bible does not give a specific question, specific answer to these such questions one way or the other. Or think about the life partner question. Should I marry this person? The Bible does not specifically answer you with a yes or a no. The Bible definitely gives you the guidance on the kind of job you should aspire for. It definitely guides us on, uh, on the kind of life partner we should choose. But it does not specifically tell us, should I take this job or not? Should I marry this person or not? And so when it comes to the specificality of these decisions, we are left with vague, subjective notions like, I feel the peace of God as we decide. Now, if you're honest with ourselves, we will acknowledge that what we often describe as the peace of God may very well be our preference. Think about this. Let's say you could, let's say you could really use uh, an extra 25,000 rupee every month. And there's a job that offer you, offers you that extra money. Isn't it highly likely that we will feel the peace of God towards the job because it gives us the money that we need? On the contrary, if God is actually leading us not to take that job, we are not going to be at peace because to obey God is to forego that 25,000. So, so what we describe as peace of God is subjective. It, it could may well be a preference. Now, please don't hear me wrong. I am not saying that the experience of peace of God never happens. Of course it happens. God does guide us. I'm also not saying God will never guide us specifically. That's not what I'm saying. God does guide us specifically. But 90% of the time, maybe even 99% of the time, God's not going to specifically tell you exactly what to do. He is going to call us to walk in faith. He is going to call us to make that decision in humble and faithful dependence on him. So we do need to grow in making wise and godly decisions. How do we make godly decisions? That's what I like to preach about this morning. I'm going to read the passage we are looking at and the passage the sermon is built on based on is Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 to 12. Proverbs is a book in the Bible, a book called, is one of the books of wisdom. Uh, Proverbs chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. It's there for you on the screen. Allow me to read it for us. My son, 
Do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. So you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruit of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your wax will be bursting with wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be wary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son whom he delights in. This is the word of the Lord. Allow me to pray. Father, we come running to you in the name of Christ Jesus, and we pray your Holy Spirit would enable us, equip us, empower us even right now to make wise, godly decisions. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray. I'd like to draw three things for us from this passage. First, we are always discipled into the decisions we make. Second, I want to talk about three good discipleship practices that leads to good decisions. And third, God disciples us into wise decision-making as a father teaches his son or daughter. We are discipled into all the decisions we make, three good practices, discipleship practices that helps us make good decisions. And how God the Father disciples us as a father teaches his children. Let's look at the first one. We're always discipled into the decisions we make. Most of us live under the illusion that we are absolutely free to make our decisions. Really? Think about it. Are we really absolutely free to decide what we want for our lives? No decision is ever made in a moment. Every single decision we make is the product of a lifetime of influences that has been, that have been exerted on us. Every decision we make is the product of a lifetime of influences, good, bad, and ugly, that have been exerted on us. Let, let me give you an example. Let's say you, you have a job offer from a company. As you're trying to make that decision, you're going to be processing every single piece of information and every single opinion, factual or otherwise, that you've heard about the company. Let's say someone mentioned to you in passing that this company is not strong on ethics. Uh, another person may have told you at some point of time in your life that, that they don't value, this company does not value or respect employees. Then somebody else in the company you're now working for may have just dropped a hint that, that you, you may expect a 25% increment this year. None of the above may be facts, but every one of them may just be an opinion, but every one of those opinions 
is absolutely going to influence your decision. So is your decision absolutely free? Not at all. Every decision we make is based on a lifetime of influences that have been exerted upon us. We will be free, absolutely free to make our own decisions only if we live in a vacuum where nobody has any influence on us. That's never the case. Let me give you another example. Let's say your brother or sister invested in shares and uh, they, let's say, they, they lost a lot of money in their investment in shares. Tell me, is that not going to influence your investment decisions? Absolutely, yes. Their experience is going to influence you. There is no such thing as perfect free will in a broken world. We are all the product of the influences we come under. Some of these influences, you know, go back to our childhood. Some of these influences are, are more current. So we are all always discipled over a lifetime into every decision we make. And so these influences we talk about is actually a kind of discipleship. Every influence we experience is discipling us to some extent or the other. Every little thing that, that we experience. So, what are you being discipled the most by? What values and, and what, what worldviews have the greatest influence in your life? This is what is going to shape your decisions and mine the most. Good discipleship leads to good decisions. Bad discipleship, bad influences leads to bad decisions. Godly influences, living a godly life, will make us pre-inclined to make godly decisions. Worldly influences and living a worldly life will make us pre-inclined to make worldly decisions. Now, we cannot live a worldly life and be under worldly influences and expect to make godly decisions. Not going to happen. So, are we being discipled by the values and the worldviews of God then our decisions will be godly. But if you're being discipled by values, by the values and the worldviews of the, of the company you work for, or the city you live in, or some of the worldly norms, then our decisions will be worldly. So as we reflect upon making wise decisions this morning, the question, the important question we need to engage with is not... What are the decisions we are making? The important question we need to engage with is what are the influences you're placing yourself in? It's not the decisions that matter the most, but the influences that we are under that leads us to make the decisions we keep making. Now, we have to be pragmatic here. We can't control all the influences on us. 
God controls that and we can rest in that. But he allows us the ability to calibrate and control some of those influences that we must. If you really think, of, think about it, we all tend to overemphasize the decisions we need to make, but we tend to underemphasize the lives we live. You see, the lives we live cannot be delinked from the decisions we make. The lives we live is going to influence the decisions we make. Look at the first verse in the passage we're looking at today. My son, do not forget my teaching, but let your heart keep my commandments. What's the biggest influencer of your heart? Is it God's word, God's values, God's worldviews, or is it the world? Are you under the influence of the word of God? Are we under the influence of God's Holy Spirit? Are we under the influence of God's holy people? God's people? Or are we predominantly under the influence of the world? Our decisions are never made in a vacuum. Every decision we make is a product of the influences we have been living under. That's the first thing that I want, I want us to do. I want to draw from this passage. We are discipled into the decisions. Second, I want to draw, now that having established that discipleship is what leads to our decisions, I want to talk about three good discipleship practices that lead us to make good decisions. Three good discipleship practices that lead us to make good decisions. The first good discipleship practice. Loved people make better decisions. People who are deeply loved make better decisions. People who feel deeply loved by God make better decisions. They are fulfilled in God. People who feel loved by God, people who experience God's love, always operate from a place of strength. They operate from a place of trust in God, from a place of rest in God. They are not in a hurry. They show urgency, but they do not experience haste. So for all the reasons mentioned about people who feel loved by God, people who have a real daily experience of being loved by God tend to make wiser and better decisions. On the other hand, People who feel unloved are needy. Unloved people do tend to be needy people. They, they tend to be in constant need for approval and affirmation. And their decisions are more likely going to be based on what people will think of them. So they feel a compulsion to earn brownie points. Making the best decision is not what they want. Being loved what they want. So every decision this kind of people make is going to be a cry for love. Every decision this kind of people make is going to cry out, love me, love me, love me. Look at verse 3 in the passage that we read. Let not steadfast love and 
faithfulness forsake you. This talks about the love of God. The love of God is the only steadfast love. The love of God is the only faithful love. Do not let the love of God leave you. Do not go away from it. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. We are all, as followers of Jesus, equally loved by God in Jesus Christ. Every one of us who believe in Jesus have been fully redeemed by Christ, by the full sacrifice of Christ. Because each of us are redeemed by the full sacrifice of Christ, each of us also get to enjoy the full love of God. There's no doubt about that. The only question is, are we living in awareness of his love? Are we living in a deep, daily, functional, practical enjoyment of his love? This verse is encouraging us to not forget that you are a loved child of God. Do not forget. Do not ever, ever, ever forget that you are deeply loved by God. It is out of this place of experiencing God's love. It is this experience of God's love that gives us the wisdom and the strength and the courage to make wise decisions. Remain the love of God. Make your decisions based on the love of God. That's the first good discipleship practice that leads to good decisions. The second good discipleship practice that leads to good decisions is make decisions by the proclaimed will of God. Look at verse 5 in the passage. It's there for us on the screen. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. Oh, this is such a misunderstood verse in the Bible. It, it is probably the most misunderstood verse in the Bible. This verse definitely does not tell us stop thinking and start acting like a dodo. It does not tell us that. This verse does not say that we must not use our God-given intellect to analyze, understand, and process things. This verse does not say that. This verse does not say that followers of Jesus need to put their brains in a deep freezer. This verse does not say that. So, so what does this verse really mean? To really understand what this verse is saying, we need to read this verse, which is verse 5, in connection with verse 1 in the passage. Verse 1 says, My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart. It will come up for us on the screen. Keep my commands in your heart. And then verse 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Verse 1 says, keep the Lord's commands in your heart. And verse 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. And so this verse is calling us to trust in the proclaimed will of God and not act according to our own convenient understanding that is against the proclaimed will of God. Let me unpack this practically. For example, God has clearly spelled out a creation rhythm. Six days you shall work and on the seventh day you shall rest. This is God's proclaimed will across all cultures, across all time zones, 
doesn't matter whether we live in the, in the 5th century BC or where we live now, this applies to all of God's creation. This is God's proclaimed will. So to keep working on Sunday after Sunday after Sunday is to reject God's proclaimed will and to rely on our own understanding. That's what this verse means. God's proclaimed will is there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and rely not on your own understanding. It means do not forget, ignore commands God has given you, his proclaimed will, and live according to your own understanding. Another example, God's called each of us to belong to a local church. This is God's proclaimed will. We are all called to commit to a local church, commit to love one another, commit to grow together, commit to serve together, commit to be on mission together in a local church, commit to be under authority of the elders in a local church. This is God's proclaimed will. But to say, no, 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 I want to experience the new church every week. I, I enjoy different experiences. Hey, that is living in your own understanding. So your own understanding in this verse means rejecting God's proclaimed word. We're not called to set aside our understanding. We're called to apply our understanding in discerning and applying God's proclaimed will into our lives. That's what this verse means. When there is a clearly proclaimed will of God in the Bible, do not reject that and follow your own understanding whatever that may be. That's a second good discipleship practice. Make decisions based on the proclaimed will of God, not according to your own understanding that violate the proclaimed will of God. The third good discipleship practice is make decisions by the discovered will of God. By the discovered will of God. Verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he will make straight your paths. As we saw in the beginning. There are many specific things. That God will not generally. Specifically tell us what to do. If you're a student. God generally does not tell people. If you're let's say you're a student in the ninth grade. God generally does not tell people. Pick the science stream. Or pick the commerce tree. Should we pray and ask for God for guidance? Absolutely yes. But, but should we just stay in a state of paralysis till God specifically tells us pick science or pick commerce? No. We we pray, we commit to God, and we move ahead in faith. That's what we do in such situations. Think about it. Wouldn't be wouldn't it be simpler if God just told us everything we need to do? Hey. Then we can obey God. Right? No, we're not obeying God because we don't know what God's not telling us. So we're not obeying. It wouldn't be simpler. God tells, you know, when we are in ninth grade, take commerce. And uh, when we finish, apply to this college. And when we finish, apply to this company. Uh, take this job. Don't take this job. Marry this person. Don't marry this person. If, if God were to tell us everything we, we do, we would all obey, right? And life would be so much simpler. Really? Are we going to obey just because God says so? Are we obeying everything God has already told us? Are our lives in obedience to everything God has clearly and explicitly told us? No. So how do we decide? 
How do we make these calls? And verse 6 is just so beautiful. It is so liberating. Look at verse 6. In all your ways acknowledge him. And he makes straight your paths. God is saying, you make your decisions. Pray, submit to me, seek me, make your decisions. But your decisions is not the ultimate. I'm the one who makes your path straight. This is just so beautiful and so liberating. You know, I've tried my best to explain this in a chart. It'll come up for us on the screen. Uh, the next slide, uh, please. Great. Think of that line, past, present, and future. In the past, if we are remaining in the love of God, that's the first thing we saw. If we are meditating on the word of God, that's the past. Then in the presence, we can make our decisions with trust and joy and freedom. And whatever decision we make in the present, this verse tells us, as we make these decision, decisions, committing our ways to God, this verse tells us, we will, he will make our path straight. This verse is telling us that if we remain in his love, if we are meditating on his word and we pray in utter dependence on him and make our decisions with joy and freedom and trust in him, he will make our paths straight. If we are acknowledging him in all our ways, he will make our paths straight. So if we are truly communing with God, the pressure of decision-making is off us. Everything doesn't depend entirely on the decisions we make. Everything depends on the life of faith we live and God making our path straight. So we don't need to be stressed or anxious about the decisions we make if we are living lives as followers of Jesus. He has got our backs. That brings us to the third and the last thing this passage teaches us. God disciples us into decision-making as a father teaches his son. Remember the question we started off with. How do we make decisions when God does not give us specific answers. Why do you think that God gives us broad guidelines but generally doesn't give us specific answers 90%? Why do you think the Bible teach us, teaches us so much about how to work but never tells us specifically about which career to choose? Why do you think the Bible talks so much about a godly marriage and talks so much about the qualities you're supposed to look for in a life partner, but never tells us specifically which person get married to. Why do you think the Bible gives us broad guidelines, but not specific answers? Why do you think God is doing this? It's a pretty simple answer. God wants us to grow in making wise decisions. When we make wise decisions as his children, it brings him glory. 
We just want to know what we should do so that we can be successful. That's all we want to do. That's all we want to know. But God wants more for us. He wants us to be wise in making decisions. God, hear me. Hear this. God wants us to grow in the holiness of our decision. We're called to be holy just as God is holy. And, and so the decisions God makes are holy and he wants the decisions we make to be holy. So he's growing us in our decision. God is growing us so that we become more wholesome the way we make decisions. And this is one of the reasons he lets us make some of these specific decisions. Of course, we make these decisions relying on his guidance, living a life of being loved by him, communing with him, remaining in him. But all that said, I must tell you something, and this is important. Good believers do make bad decisions. We all mess up. Maybe the last 20 minutes, some of you have been cringing. Some of you have been squirming in your seats because you've just made what you think is a bad decision. You're thinking, why on earth did you not preach this two weeks ago before I made this decision? Right? Maybe you, you just made a bad decision. Good believers do make bad decisions. Maybe we're experiencing shame for a decision we made many years ago. Maybe it's still haunting us. Maybe we're still carrying that regret. Maybe the fear of one wrong decision you made four years ago, three years ago, is affecting every decision you make. It's paralyzing you in every decision you need to make. And I want you to take heart. I want you to know. I want you to find hope, find strength in the fact that God sometimes allows us to make bad decisions. Look at verses 11 and 12. In the passage we read, Proverbs 3. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves. Another version says, another version of the Bible, NIV says, For the Lord disciplines whom, him whom he loves as the father, the son in whom he delights. Sometimes, sometimes, in my life it's been pretty often, God allows us to make the bad decisions we want to make. Our hearts are set on these bad decisions. Sometimes when our hearts are set on these bad decisions, God allows us to make these bad decisions because this is God's way of lovingly disciplining us. Don't get me wrong. Please don't hear me wrong. God does not want us to make bad decisions. Never. He does not make us make wrong decisions. Never. He does not make us make bad decisions. 
let me be absolutely clear that we are the ones who are, if I may use the phrase, hell-bent on making wrong choices in our life. Because we love those things more than we love God. We have absolute responsibility for the decisions we make. And we make bad decisions because, guess what? That's what we want. That's what our hearts have been captivated by. That's where the affections of our hearts have moved in that moment. And we make those bad decisions. Sometimes God, God allows us, not, not in indifference, not in anger, not as punishment, not in hatred, but in loving discipline, God allows us to make those bad decisions. And he allows us to face hardships. And when we face hardships as a consequence of these bad decisions, this is God lovingly growing us, lovingly disciplining us, discipling us into making wiser decisions. So don't be ashamed of past wrong decisions. Humble yourself and in grace receive the hardships you faced out of those bad decisions as God's love. Please, please, I beg you as your, as your pastor, please do not see the bad consequences of your past bad decisions as a reason to reject God. Please, please do not see bad consequences, the harsh consequences, the hardships of your earlier bad decisions as reasons to doubt God's love. Oh, this is God's love. He's with you. He's grieved with you. He's felt your pain. He doesn't want this pain to be wasted. He doesn't want this grief to be wasted. He loves you. And he's going to discipline you. He's not going to tell you every day in your life exactly what you should do. He's going to encourage you, help you grow in making wise, holy, and wholesome decisions. That's the beauty. That's what I want to close with. This relationship that God has with us as his children. This is God's commitment to redeem us. We were redeemed by the sacrifice of the blood that his son, Christ Jesus, shed for us. It took all of the sacrifice of all of God's son to redeem us. And so God loves us with all of his love. And in all of his love, he wants us to grow in Christ-likeness. The thing that should give us the greatest hope in every decision that we make is because of the death and the resurrection of Christ Jesus. We God's children. And our Father is lovingly watching over us. When we commit our ways to Him, He will make straight our paths. 
some decisions, some bad, bad decisions may, may, be, may seem to be causing you a lot of harm. But even out of that harm, the grace of God is going to work goodness in your lives. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in inches. We come to you as your children. We come to you as children who have made bad decisions, wrong decisions. And, and Lord, we did not make these bad decisions out of ignorance. We made these bad decisions out of rebellion. And we, we, we're facing the hardship of that. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us according to the truth and the beauty of your gospel. Help us to learn from those bad decisions and help us to grow wisdom for making good decisions. Thank you, Lord. We worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.